0: and then doing a podcast about essentially jesus i I do it with with a catholic priest who has knows basically everything the guy's a super phd and probably got like six more that i don't even know about but uh so he knows all all the all the ins and outs of of every faith-based question i could have but at at the end of the day what really kind of presses to me in the way that this is applicable to everyone and not just business owners or or managers or anything like that but Ultimately, if you want to have a successful business, it's going to boil down to the relationships that you create, whether it be between people within your own company and your employees, whether it be between you and your customers, you and your clients, whatever is applicable to you. It it all really comes down to that. And people have this notion inside them that I can be one way with one group of people and another way with everyone else. And the reality is, is we're not capable of doing that. Your brain is not good enough. Not you as an individual, but you as a human. So it just, we're not wired to be able to do that. We are, if you're exercising one strength in one facet of your life, it'll come through in another area. If you're pulling yourself down with weakness in one facet of your life, it'll pull yourself down in another area. So that is just something that I like to start with because it's a natural kind of thing that everyone has had a relationship with their life i mean we all have that in every capacity and when you look at business through that perspective it really does change the way that that you operate your business hopefully and hopefully we'll open it up into a a more profitable outcome
1: absolutely you know i i really truly believe that what you said was so true i believe whoever you are wherever you go you're going to show up and your true genuine self is always going to show up no matter what you try to portray. The real you is going to show up either in business or personal. The real mm-hmm. you is going to show up. And how do we do that and stay authentic?
0: Yeah, so for this is counterintuitive to the way that most people are, are taught to, to grow up through the business chain. You know, the way to be successful is actually rooted in humility. Um, most people think that the way I'm gonna get noticed and climb up a corporate ladder is I'm gonna show everyone how great I am, make myself stand out and all that, which does not work in the long run. Um, and if you're in a company where that's the way that promotions are, are being done, you may want to consider leaving it because in the long run you can't be successful that way. And I know that there's a big cluster of of the top CEOs or whatever that disagree with that, but at the end of the day, they're wrong. Um they themselves might be in a large enough place where you can hide the fact that you're not humble through the rest of your corporate culture. But the way to truly grow and to grow everything does start with the humility. I mean, it has to start with um, the fact that you get your success as a team, but yet you have to be individually accountable if something goes wrong. And, you know, you can see with basically any successful athlete out there, because they're the ones who always have microphones, it's easier to identify them when things are going well, I think Peyton Manning's the best example of this ever. Um, when things are going well, it's always we, it, it, it's always him and his receivers, him and his offense, him and whatever. When things go wrong, it, it, it's on him. And I think that that's the, uh, that's what I'm talking about. When we say about the humility to recognize that you're not here by yourself uh, before we even get into all of the religion element that someone had to create you in the first place, just from you as, as an agnostic corporate place, you're only here because, A, someone wants to hire you or buy your product. Um, So you're only having customers and clients and inevitably employees because they want to be there. And treating it with the act of humility has so much great benefit that is really unmeasurable once you start teeing it up, even though it's contrary to every counterintuitive to every thought you have about how you climb a corporate ladder, and also counterintuitive to how you market yourself and, and people market in themselves in general.
1: Absolutely. Hey, I just want to say you gave a shout out to Peyton Manny And <laughs> We are Colts fans because we are Indiana. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to say, woo shout-out to the Colts and Peyton Manning for winning us the Super Bowl. And yeah. we got to host it. So, you know, that's just great. We're winners over here. So yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to plug that real quick. <laughs> well, I say, I,
0: I don't think there's someone who, who's ever had more microphones in front of him and him done well, um, I, I, I don't think I can come up with a better example than Peyton. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've seen a lot of public figures, a lot of politicians that don't fail all the time, but Payton doesn't. And he's basically just a regular dude at the end of the day. Absolutely. So, <laughs> and I and always love that about humble.
1: him. humble. You're absolutely right. He is very, yeah. very humble. So, yeah. yeah. And I think you're right. You know what he said a lot about you. And I believe in the company culture, I was always taught that in order to be successful, you have to promote others and you have to put others before you. And if you're always tooting your own horn, you're not showing really humility in that aspect anyways. And so <clears throat> if you're only trying to show how good you are, it's not giving support to others. So what you're saying is very
0: true. Yeah, it also erodes their desire to help you in the next situation, whatever that may be. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean you deny your skills or anything like that. You, you still have a, a duty, um, both professionally as an individual to make yourself better in whatever strengths you have. Um, I personally lean on the side that it's better to make your strength stronger than your weaknesses is stronger. Um, an argument can be made for both sides, but uh, I, I, I personally believe it's best to have really high peaks in your skill set rather than trying to have no valleys because Absolutely. no one is valleyless. less um, So the more peaks you can have, the more useful you can be in, granite isolated situations. But that skill set is more universal and you're very good at it. You then are as universal as your skill set.
1: Absolutely. I remember when I started out um, and I I knew that my journey was to help people and go into coaching. And I wanted to definitely keep God in that and allow him to lead me on this journey. And I had a mentor that told me that if I wanted to be successful, I needed to remove God (laughs) out Mm -hmm. of my business. And I was torn and I just was like, I shut it down. I I can't do this. If I can't have God leading me in this, then I don't wanna do it. And it took me six years to decide that this is what I needed to do. And I I fought and I wrestled with it because my faith was more important to me than the business was. And so I, I had to understand how to lead with that and how to lead with purpose. And so can you talk about how important it is to be able to incorporate your faith in your business,
0: and how the two work hand in hand. Sure, if if you really want to break it down, I mean that's something that many people have been told, and, and the bigger the business, the more that thought comes across, and it comes across from mostly lawyers and marketing people that say we don't want to discourage X amount of people by doing this. That's why you um, often will hear about people who who don't want to take you know sides with political stances. Why, why would I instantly want to alienate half of the country just because I said one thing or another? Um, so that's a, that. That's a very real thing about why people would say that about God. But if you look at the way that most companies are structured, they actually are using the virtues that God teaches you to do anyway. Um, so at the, at the end of the day, there's basically, there's seven main ones, right? There's prudence, justice, Fortitude, temperance, faith, hope, and love. So prudence essentially is making yourself better at what you're doing. What I just said about making your strengths better, learning more, getting open to new ideas, open to, to just becoming better at, at the end of the day. Um, and then the way that justice would be applicable is you know, you you treat people fairly, you know, you treat your employees fairly. You don't try to do high pressure sales on people, you don't try to force people into stuff. Um, and that's basically at the end of the day, how justice would be applied A fortitude is when something comes in your head and you don't know how to say it, you just get it out. When, you know, a thought comes in your mind. You're, you're not sure why it's there. Figure out a way to say it. I mean, almost always it will make the situation better. Uh, and sometimes making the situation better is ending the situation. Um, you know, that's, that's real. I mean, sometimes you just need to fire a client and that's very important. Um, Temperance kind of goes off of, of what I was saying with the humility, knowing that you're not the most important person in here, knowing that your individual wants, and needs are not better than, than the group as a whole. So just looking at those four right there, you can see how all of those are very beneficial for an individual in a business to carry through and they're directly taken from the gospels so at the end of the day can't really get much more religion than that than being taken from the gospels so
1: you're absolutely right and i think about it when i think about real estate i think it goes hand in hand with the Gospels as well yeah (laughs) Yeah,
0: there's there's some similarities sometimes um for sure and um What we have done in in our world of of this is different than what a lot of people do overall. I I am not your standard landlord, and and I don't want to be. Uh, I actually spent five years dealing with lawyers and figuring out how legally I can be more than just the standard landlord. And the reason I didn't want to be was, in general, places that become landlord neighborhoods for a long period of time go downhill. Um, you know that means something that's different to everyone else, but you all know what I'm trying to say. So what we wanted to do was be able to make more areas where the actual people living there cared about there, and the way that's done is in our society is home ownership. So with each individual I have, I have them on a path of them owning the house inevitably. Um, sometimes it works better than others some of them you know don't follow through like they say that will and keeping your word is is what it is some people do it some people don't but At the end of the day, we put people in a situation where the property is theirs um, and it's going to be theirs. It's just, do we need to play semantics about when an official becomes yours down the road or do we start treating it like that now? And I tell all of my clients, yes, we are signing a lease. So I I am your landlord by all technicality. But in reality, this is a buyer-seller relationship. When you own the house and something leaks or whatever, you're not going to call your bank and demand them to come fix it. You're going to go figure out how to take care of it yourself. So putting people and treating them as if they already have it is kind of our starting point. And we do this all in the neighborhoods that are, maybe they're going to be rentals in 10 years. Maybe it's going to be a homeownership area in 10 years. It's kind of on that gray area. And that's where I play at is, is in that gray area. So we buy, they're all single family houses so that the people can take them over. And I tell them up front. You can paint your, your, your girl's room, Barbie pink, you know, you can make the kitchen however you want to do whatever you want, but at the same time, you're responsible for plowing all the snow. You're responsible for cutting all the grass and all the mains in between. And the only time you're ever going to see me again is either if I evict you or if we sign the deed and for everyone involved, um, starting with, with them in the first place, they don't get micromanaged. They get treated as if the house is theirs again. So not every tenant out there, in fact, most of them do not want this type of relationship. They don't want it. They, they want to be able to destroy it, leave, destroy somewhere else, move on um, without any real ramifications or any real commitment. Um, but I have found there's a great deal of people who do want this, and they tend to fall into one of two categories. It's either they had no idea how a credit card worked when they were in college and their credit got destroyed and they haven't figured out how to catch up. Um, or be their divorce attorney told them to kill their credit out of spite. Either way, you have people who want to own a house. They just don't have the credit score essentially. And we had to spend five years of figuring out how to legally build this program and how to make the banks like it so that they will give the loans on the back end. So fast forward, all of that, um, we started that process in what 2007 ish. Um, and we've had uh, a lot of great results going through it, um, you know, it's estimated in Pennsylvania, which is one of the worst states that happened with COVID, that 40% of tenants stopped paying altogether. I had 3% stop paying. Wow. So it's the difference between being invested in what you want to do and where you want to go versus not. So I say this out here like, okay, Joe, you're running a landlord business. I'm selling donuts. How, how do I do that to my business? What's what's the cross applicableness? And the reality is, is put more ownership on your clients. Um, Most people are very afraid to do that um, because if I'm asking my clients to do something different and the other guy down the street isn't, well, why would they pick them? And the reality is, is when you put something on your client's plate, you actually are strengthening that relationship between you and them. And it builds the repeat, element of the clients much more than just having a equal or slightly superior product than your competition does. So bringing them in and making them a part of, uh, by just giving them a little bit more responsibility than the other vendors do really does make things uh, a lot better for you and for the long-term overall.
1: Absolutely, I understood everything you spoke to just then, because in 2008, We had, um, well, actually, in 2003, we purchased our home and we had an adjustable rate. We were starting out, and we had no clue, no clue what we were doing. And um, in 2008, that rate adjusted, the market crashed, everything went crazy, our mortgage tripled. Mm It was outrageous. We lost our house. We, you know, we were devastated. We didn't know what to do. And at the time, if we do things that we know now, we would have done things differently. And everything that you just spoke to at that time, I was just like, I wish for a program like you're talking about then. And and I told my husband, I said, I wish that we could create something like that. And it was so funny because We have been um and and that's why my husband wanted to listen today because we've been actually working on something like that and we never heard of anything like that Mm -hmm. talking to you today. You are the first person I have ever heard speak of something like that, and I know so well about it because we went through it and I'm Mm -hmm. like, if someone would offer something like that, because everybody isn't bad and out there just looking to, like you said, destroy homes and just leave them. There are real honest people that have been put in situations that they didn't know. Nobody told us, we, we try to figure this thing out on our own. And so this is great that you are doing this because there are people out there that need this opportunity to be able to be in the driver's seat and have the chance to be homeowners and get this opportunity. So how long um, does it take to be able to sign your deed and to go from leasing to owning?
0: So with every tenant that we have, we start with what's called an option to buy. Uh, now I, I need to, to preface this. this. There are four states that are legally harder to be a landlord in than Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the four you probably can guess right off the top of your head. It is New York, California, and Oregon. So at the end of the day, it is not exactly easy to lose these loopholes. And in your particular state, it will probably be a little bit easier. However, a lot of the things I had to play with were actually the congressional banking laws that made this play. But nonetheless, what we do is we have each of the tenants sign two separate agreements. The first is a six-month option that then becomes a month-to-month option or a month-to-month lease thereafter. That's the lease. Six months becomes there. The other is the option to actually buy the house. That has the purchase price they will be buying it for the amount that they get in non-refundable payment towards the purchase so for me i make that number that it's big enough that they care but small enough that the market actually will find someone who can do this so a nice little balancing act of the local uh, local economy at the time um i always do a month on the first option very rarely does anyone actually fulfill it on the first option uh, but during that time, uh, I used this company called Koozie. They then and since been bought by Apartments.com, and it actually will report their payment to Experian or TransUnion. one or the other. Either way, the, the core concept is it's the same as when they pay their credit card. Because most people, when they pay a lease, the credit agencies have no idea that it actually happens. Mm-hmm. So them getting this extra payment on something they have to do anyway, because you have to live somewhere, they're actually getting help with their credit score. And there's also specific guys who just run credit repair businesses that we refer them to. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's a passive effect on something that you were doing anyway that helps you get your credit better. Again, it's not going to turn you from a 500 to an 800 overnight, but it's going to make it better. So that's, that's what we do. We, we pair them with it. And then at the end of the first year, when the lease is done, we essentially had the conversation. Uh, do you want to, 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 buy this house? Inevitably, do you want to say, okay, this is a good idea. We're out or, or where are we at here? Um, the only time people are normally out is if I kick them out or it's a situation where it was now a single mother and she wants to move in with a new guy, which is also understandable. That's part of life. Um, you know, I'm running the house here. I, I can't be upset about that. So. That's what we do. And then what the, then at the end of that first 12 months, we then look at what is the house worth now? Like if the, ha- the house almost always goes up in value. So you raise it to what the new market rate is. And then each landlord can then determine how they want to do their price structure. For me, I typically do another 18 months for 500 bucks. So I give them a choice. We can either do the exact same one you just did um, and pay the big money again, which normally is not the right choice. Or we pay a little bit more when you buy the house, which probably cost you $7 on your mortgage when it actually comes to to fro. And you give me 500 bucks now. So almost everyone takes the second choice. And it's because I'm not trying to make money on that second time. I'm basically trying to get the contract in place that when we go to the bank and say, we're agreed upon, this is what they're buying it for. This is now gonna be the date of the closing. And once the bank says that, it's great. A key part of it is they do have to be on a month-to-month lease at that point. That gets in some deep banking roles that some are cool with and some aren't. The month-to-month thing avoids it all um, in all that capacity. So that's how how in a very broad nutshell of five years of planning this process and three to four years, wherever we're at now, of executing it, how we've gotten here and what it actually does. Wow.
1: That's amazing. So what does the um, success rate of homeownership look like? for
0: you right now you mean as far as them following up the contract yeah um well they all do it eventually it's just a question of how long does it take Um, like i said i've only had three of them that didn't follow through up on it um because i had to get rid of them okay we we do have I, i i don't count the women who want to move into the new guy Um, because to me that's not a failure of the system that's just them changing their life because we do kind of catch people at a pivot point when they're going through a divorce and you know for anyone who's done that their life is in chaos um moving itself is already crazy enough i mean changing your house is is a pivot point but you put divorce on top of it sometimes things don't go exactly the way you planned and i get that um you know but at the end of the day it does go through sometimes and kind of it, it, you know with with those women too where the guy moves in it's just more common the opposite direction yeah. all
1: right so how do uh, you market this business like how do you find your clients that you get to to get into these houses <clears throat>
0: I use Facebook and Craigslist. I, do a special. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't need to. Normally, by the time I put something on Facebook, it's it's done in like a week. So every single one of my properties that I do do that is different than everyone else. I do a video walkthrough of them. Because to me, the biggest waste of time is showing properties to people who don't want them. Um, because you just know immediately if a house is not right for you, for whatever reasons that you can't get in pictures or from a description, but you can get with a video walkthrough someone walking through a house. So I do that every time. I mean, with my iPhone, I can do whatever I want. I mean, I, mean, I don't get why everyone doesn't do this is the baffling part to me. It takes me, I don't know, 12 minutes to walk through the house. That counts me turning all the lights on beforehand and turn them all off after and relocking up the house. Maybe an hour of editing the thing and doing a voiceover. So, I do, they do hear my voice watching these videos of me articulating the property. And I look at it as, of course, I should do that because it's not complicated. And I get to sell the house as they're watching it. So, what happens is people who are end up wanting this house, they watch it, they send it to everyone who's going to be eventually living in the house. And then if they have other decision makers in their lives, which some do, some don't, they send it to their mom, they send it to dad, whatever, and they let them watch it. And then by the time they're actually doing a physical walkthrough for the first time, it's going to be like the 10th time they've seen this house. They know if they want it or not. And it's basically confirming it or or it isn't. So that is the main thing that I do to eliminate... Um, wasted time is I, I looked at every single thing in our business that wasn't profitable. and We figured out how to streamline it. And the least profitable thing you do is waste time on someone who's not going to be a client. Yeah. So YouTube doesn't care how many times the video gets shown to people who don't want it. So why should I? Absolutely.
1: All right. So what, um, what are your plans for the future with this business? Where do you see it going?
0: Well, I mean, right now it's, it's in an absolutely great spot. We, we have We survived COVID, which many didn't. Uh, We have the capacity of knowing that the majority of landlords that didn't survive COVID have now just a ton of properties available. And they themselves don't want to buy anymore because they just got burnt. So you have lack of will to buy the properties, let alone the fact that haven't been paid forever. So there's a lack of capital. And this is what's going to ripple across this country. And it's going to happen worse in the place that we're shut down harder. So double edge of that silver lining of us being shut down forever in Pennsylvania is that I'm going to be able to buy five houses for the price of two. So it's going to be nice. But for all the tenants who chose not to pay, there's no properties to put them. And there's going to be basic supply demand. Lots of people get kicked out, nowhere to put them. Rents are going to skyrocket. They're going to hate all the tenants or all the landlords will be hated on forever. But we just did what you forced us to do. If you would have just let us evict everyone when we were supposed to, it's a simple system. We evict someone in May. We fix the house up in June and then new tenants come in in July. It works. It does not work when you can't evict someone for 18 months. And then all of those houses are broken at the same time. That's the breaking point of, 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 the string so that's the inevitable part that is what all of these governors did um and there's a very common thread between all the governors that did if you look at their little parentheses letter next to their name um so it's it's a direct cause and effect and this is not because putin made gas cost more it's because we printed off money and we weren't allowed to run our businesses yes
1: yeah all right well at this point in time, I feel like you're doing a really great thing, helping people to be able to own homes and have stability and helping the economy and and growth. And right now, like you said, the market is growing and it sucks. I mean, nobody saw COVID coming and, mm-hmm. you know, we have to do things differently. And, you know, what do you do? No. yeah,
0: you know, really, at the end of the day, as I break this down, kind of go full circle with everything, what got us through Covid wasn't the fact that the tenants paid kept paying. It was the fact that we had a relationship with the tenants. They weren't just some guy we threw in the house. Um, they were they, they are not were, but they, they are working towards this to be theirs. They know that I'm not going to undercut it from them. Um, and, you know, I, I, I had a message to everyone who had, one of their options expired during COVID and essentially broke down to is if they still want the house, and they still want to be a part of it. We're going to figure out a way to extend it. I get that you might not have the extra 500 sitting around right now. We'll figure this out. This is the life we'll find a way moment right now. And because these kind of relationships have been established, we were able to, to make it work. Um, and, and that, like I said, that's really what, what it came down to the ones who, ran away and hid and didn't want to have a relationship anymore. Yeah, we evicted them basically as hard as we possibly could. But the other ones, the vast majority of them that wanted to just continue to have a dialogue and figure life out, we did.
1: Yeah. You know, relationships are so important. And I don't think people really get the gist of that. And that's the difference between those that stay and those that go. And like you said, um how your business survived, well well is because of what's involved in it and what makes it work and it's all about that relationship and who's involved and so i would like to talk a little bit now because i know that we um, are coming up on time because we've got some things that are going to be going on here in a little bit
0: <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> and
1: baby and all and i got a, a um, another show going on but i want to talk about the podcast too and um how you all relate the lord into your business I, and being a landlord because no pun intended but being a landlord and having the lord in your business in those relationships and how that all ties in to making this work can you can you bring that all together and wrap it up
0: yeah i mean at the end of the day it is in one word it is the relationships that, that do that and, and it's the implementation of, of of the virtues that i went through here in the beginning of, of how can we figure out a way to make things fair for everyone involved uh, Understanding the basic rules of economics that every customer wants to pay nothing and every landlord wants to charge infinity. So that's just a fact of life. So a little conflict gets resolved, but that's what economies are. That's what a market economy is. So we we look at it and just try to treat everyone as, as equals. You know, I, I am not jaded yet. 11 years of doing this, probably should have by now, that I still inherently trust someone that they'll do what they say they're going to do. I, I, I don't treat everything with, I'm going to get this house back in three months, completely broken. I come in with the mentality that you guys are going to keep your words. And, you know, the, the, I kind of just built with a mutual trust and it's not that there's one personality type that can do this and the other ones can't it's it's effort. I mean, you have to learn how to go and try to become better at communicating people with everything else. And the, the Facebook is great for many things. This ain't one of them. You cannot have a relationship through social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. No, you can't have any of them. Uh, What can you can with is actually calling people. And that's one of the call to actions that I like to give people is start with someone that you know, but you wish you had a better relationship with. So maybe it's someone you only see at weddings and funerals, but you wish you hung out with them every once in a while. Just give that person a call. Again, not a tweet, not a text, but an actual call and whatever relationships in your life, everyone's able to identify one. That's like, I just wish that was better right now and call them. And yeah, that takes a little bit of courage, which would be the fortitude part of this discussion. Um, But it's also the process of practicing better relationships makes you better at it. So it's something that we all can do in our individual personal lives that will spill over to us in businesses overall. And having conversations that can be challenging really do help you be better at everything else.
1: Absolutely. I definitely agree. It's all about relationships. And I was speaking with someone the other day and they said to me, you know, I never realized that having a relationship with Jesus was everything. <laughs> they were like, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know I needed a relationship with him. And that changed the game for him. And I'm like, absolutely, because when that's the center and everything else around you is falling apart, you can stay together. And I think that's what's done it for your business because although all these other things have been going on, you've had faith at the center of it and you've had us that as the foundation, knowing that you've had something to lean on. And so that is awesome and what you've been able to build upon. And it's so funny because I think about your name and it's Rocky. And then, you know, this rock, is uh, what we stand on, right? And so, you know, names names mean something, and we have to understand what we're dealing with and what we're coming up against. And I think so many times we take things for granted of who we are and who we are and what we're doing. And so, I appreciate the fact that you came today and show us who you are.
0: What? You well, do, I, I thank you journey. for having me for sure. <laughs> yes, thank and
1: you. So, uh, as you continue on your journey
0: what is it that you could see for your future and what would you like for others to know yeah so i mean the the way that I, we didn't get into the way i, I run the business really but
1: the way that
0: i ask people to, to to join us moving forward really is to um to, to just try the app just try the cast listen to an episode we, we come out once a week it's tuesdays uh it's called father and joe it's very straightforward in that regard um and just give it a try um because it is there obviously are specific episodes about this part of the bible and that part of the bible but it's always tied to a pragmatic application we can put to our own lives and it is something that we really do we know it helps people we it wouldn't grow if it didn't um, so we, we, really, that's the, the, the request I would have of people who want to continue to come forward and, and to continue to grow with is, is, is to listen to the cast, give it a try. Um, cause we do get into the specific parts about talking in depth about various issues. Um, and, and there are also various moral conflicting issues. So on the one hand, you know, the gospels are a gospel of life. You know, it, it's about loving people and, and celebrating life. But on the other hand, halfway across the world, this one little crazy guy just sort of murdering people because he felt like it. You're, how should we feel about that? That's a conflicting thought. Like no. if this guy didn't exist, there'd be no war. But on the other hand, you're effectively rooting for this guy to die. So like what do we do about that? Yeah. Um, so th- th- that's the type of conversations we, we've had. Um, in in lieu of more research about the vaccines we've had conversations about how vaccines are actually made um, with with stem cell lines and stuff like that we've gone into each of the virtues in depth uh, multiple times so there's a lot of different things that discuss that are are applicable to everyone's life but oftentimes people hear god and they think well that's different from the rest of my life and as you said it's the center so most people kind of live their life with what's on fire right now and putting it out. Um, so the example I give of that is if you think of like a tire, most people just live on the tread, just trying to go around making sure that it'll be able to survive. It's not going to skid out in the ice. But what's really holding it together is the wheel and the axle. And the more you spend time on that, the better you'll be able to stop. Sure, you need the tread. I'm not discounting that. But if you actually sit and relax and think about it, you need to have the wheel there because if it's not connected to anything, the tread is irrelevant. You're never going to go anywhere. So that's another call to action that, that I've given to people that works out very well is just put yourself in complete screen shutdown, no electronics around you for just 10 minutes and just complete silence as you can make it. Um, no No bings from your phone, no iPad alerts, none of that. And just sit there for 10 minutes and just kind of see what happens. And people who do that normally come out in a better place overall, and that's not necessarily a, a religious thing. But that's just a, a resetting of your mind, and it opens up the, it opens up an avenue to to thinking and praying. But it's not necessarily takes you there either. So it's just a good starting point to put us in to kind of reset ourselves and to put ourselves in a neutral state.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I think people focus so much on religion instead of focusing on centering that they miss that connection. And I think that um what you talked about, I I, I love the premise of your podcast because when we are talking about all these things, I think people get so set on what they think about something instead of having an understanding about what something is. And so we can have an ideal of something and we can have a thought and we can have a belief of something, but what is the real truth of the matter? Really, you know, let's talk about it because how is something made? Why does something work? What is the reason behind this? And let's get an understanding of it instead of just guessing or believing something to be true instead of understanding why something is. And, and that is so great because when we can open that up and have that dialect, we have better relationships. We, you know, we're building better connections. We're and and my whole thing is I think about that all the time when it's like, you know, get knowledge, but get understanding. Mm-hmm. If we have better understanding, we can connect and, and bridge those gaps out there. And
0: on that note, and and, and um, I promise I won't go on forever about no, you're this, fine. This, this <laughs> is the problem with the current information age, is that you can pick any issue you want. And something that I thought I was never going to have to talk about again the rest of my life, is the world round or flat? <laughs> you can find people that will adamantly say that the world is flat. Um, and you can isolate yourself from not listening to anyone else and, and not wanting to discuss any other viewpoint. And the more and more people put themselves into more and more isolated groups, the more tension that comes between the groups. And the only way really to break that down is to intermingle with the group that you don't don't agree with. So, you don't agree with the people who watch Fox, you don't agree with the people who watch CNN, be around them more and you'll be better off. And that's a big part of life that we are missing now in the internet era because you can go and hide in your bubble. Even if there's only six people in the world who agree with you, that's big enough to be a a social group for an individual. And, um, being in other groups and being willing to discuss other things, I think is, is a big part of it because everyone's getting conditioned to only hear what they want to hear and therefore only say what you think someone else wants to hear. Oh, yeah. It's by definition artificial and takes away from your, your own humanity at the end of the day, your own thought process. So I would always invite people to, to actually turn your phones off and talk to someone next to you. Um, then, than rather just, you know, live live on the internet. Now that being said, my podcast lives on the internet, and there is values to it. But Absolutely. there's a big difference between reading data and having understanding, as you just mentioned there. And this isolation groups that we have really does uh, perpetuate this problem. And if there's going to be a major problem in the future that doesn't revolve around economics, um, asterisks. It's going to be this. Yeah. This is the social issue that we are going to have to fight for ongoing. That if we keep allowing ourselves to be separated into smaller and smaller groups, it always creates tension between the groups and yeah. inevitably leads to problems beyond measure. Uh, so think... that's just the fact of life.
1: Yeah, I here. Yeah, let's go be controversial. And I'm gonna say I'm just gonna come in oh, and <laughs> <wait>. square. <laughs> Now people are gonna question real. Let's think about that. (laughs) I mean, you know, you can question whatever you want to, but you know what? Just let's keep the conversation going, people. Let's keep talking. Let's keep connecting. Because the more we talk, the more we can see that we're really not that different. But let's have communication that can be Good and that can bring us together, not divisive, not separate us, but that can help us to be informed and make us more, um, more loving, more caring, more kind.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, it, it, <laughs> and it works. Like, as you said, there's there's nothing special or different about me. That being said, I created a business that has a 97% fail rate in the first year, and I've had it lasting for over a decade and then some. And what really made a difference is all the stuff we just talked about. That's part of why father and Joe was created because I recognize that this is part of this. Like, Let's try to share it with other people and to try to deny that from your business and yourself as an individual, whether you're a business owner or manager or wherever you're at in that, that stage of life, you're going to hinder yourself. So it, it, it really, the, the, we've said it like a hundred times, but there's no way to deny it, it comes down to relationships And the best way to make better relationships is to practice with the ones that you already have. So if you have a bad relationship, you want to practice making it better, call up the person you have a bad relationship. If you are scared about entering this, just start calling your mom. I mean, just wherever you're at, it's not going to be as scary as you make it in your head almost always. And and it's certainly worth doing that
1: all right joe thank you so much for joining us today tell people how to find the podcast and how to come to you if they
0: would like to be home perfect yo. like i said um you can find us it's at father and joe it's here on the screen um, i'll send you guys a link as well and it'll be right there but we're on every single platform you can be on and it's straightforward father and joe all
1: right thank you everybody for listening we appreciate you for minding your business today Remember, mindful intentions nurture and drive your business. And as always, you were created with a purpose. So go be great. Have a great day. You Thank soon. you. Bye.